It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. And a good Saturday night, Las Vegas. Welcome on in. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. That's 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby and Damon on with you from the wonderful world that we call Las Vegas, Nevada. My co-host, TomBartonSports.com. Tommy Barton back on the East Coast in New York City. Tom, uh, we are down to, well, going into today, we were down to 16. Let's make it 12. And uh, an interesting day of basketball, of course. Yeah, it really was. I'll, I'll tell you, man. You know, it started off nice. I rode Oral Roberts again. Anybody that was following my Twitter, Tom Barton Sports, you know, I said earlier in the week, why am I getting off of this team, right? Why would I possibly get off of them? Now, I had them in the first two days. You guys know it. I showed tickets uh, on the money line. Did not go on the money line. And I'll tell you, Osmos takes that shot. I actually thought I should have gone on the money line. What a truly amazing performance in a loss, right? I mean, didn't Osmos and what he did remind you a lot of the Davidson Curry age? Uh, That reference is probably over some people's heads, but that's what it reminded me of. It's a loss, and a loss is fine. But the way that they perform, my goodness, man, you got to give your, your hats off to them. If you want to join us tonight, 876 is the Heatwave Hotline. Or over on Twitter at HW Sports, at Tom Barton Sports. And Tom, before we dissect these four games and, and then look into tomorrow's matchups, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this on air last week. What was week one like in Atlantic City? You know, it, it's pretty funny because uh, it, it, it's miserable there, man. <laughs> like, I, I wanted it to be okay. <laughs> and it's not Atlantic City's fault. First of all, the sports books were, were packed and pretty good, okay? Um, but the just the protocols are absolutely ridiculous. And look, for full disclosure, I live in New York, okay? Uh, the, the restrictions here are maniacal. Okay, it, it, only a madman would come up with them, which a madman did in, in Cuomo, right? Um, I didn't call him rapist, allegedly. I, I said madman. So that I understand how the restrictions are. But I've been to Florida three times over the course of this corona. So when I traveled, I, I generally thought it would be a little bit better. Now, I have not been into a casino since this took place other than the Meadowlands, which is a sports book. Meadowlands doesn't have restrictions. Tim? To walk into every single casino, you got to get your temperature taken. Okay, I'm fine with that. Somebody pointing a laser beam pointer at your forehead, not exactly the most comfortable thing, but I can handle it, right? Then you walk three feet and you have to get your temperature taken to walk into the sports book. <laughs> okay, literally about, about, there's no way it's 10 feet. Um, the sports books were charging to sit down at the table. Now, I'm a guy, I'm not throwing my money around, okay, I'm not saying I'm a, but I'm betting well over $1,000 a game. They want to charge $30 to, to sit down at a table. Now, we were watching one guy, the loudest guy in the joint, and one of my friends said, you know, he's probably got like a $5 play. Winds up, he had a $1 parlay, literally. 
he so he paid thirty dollars to sit there all day, no free drinks, scream and yell at a one dollar parlay. It is what it is. It's first come, first serve. That was was irritating though. When you leave the sports book um, and go into the casino itself, there's only three slots at a roulette table. The glass is so that you can't really use that last slot. The um, dealers are trying to talk to you. You can't hear them through the mask, then your mask, then the then the partitions. You can't have fun with people sitting around you. Uh, I, I had a, a friend of mine sitting next to me. Couldn't hear him, couldn't talk, couldn't hang out. So we went back to the sports book. Basically, I, I don't really overly gamble at the tables. You know, to me, I'm a sports book guy. Went back to the sports book. And, and depending on what sports book you're at, there's just a lot of confusion. Um, Bally, Bally Sportsbook, so Bally's Casino, was the owner of Wild West Casino. Now, they just split. So Caesars bought them all out. So you walk into, imagine a, a grand ballroom type of thing where uh, it's a, about the size of a football field. So you have bars on each side. You have a big stage. Then you have TVs. Then you have a sports betting area. And then all the way in the back where like the end zone would be, you have a giant sports book area. So the sports book is run by Caesars. Okay, Tim? You have to pay $30 to sit down to get into the yep. sports book. But right behind the sports book, that's owned by William Hill, who claims they have no affiliation with Caesars, although we all know that they do. And then you get out of the, the Caesars, William Hill, and then it's actually just owned by Bally's. So you're actually in one space under one roof with three different corporations trying to run it there. It is a, a real madhouse of confusion. And I'm telling you, you know, I, I speak to David Danzis all the time, who, uh, you know, is a reporter in Atlantic City. And he had told me so much that Atlantic City's getting crushed. They were getting crushed from Hurricane Sandy. Now they're getting crushed from this. And they are dominating online. I don't know if I'm going to go back to AC. I really don't. Because of what's going on, you don't get rewards for sports betting at all because each sports betting thing has no association with the casino. So if you go to FanDuel, it doesn't matter. You could spend 10 grand in there, but you're not even going to get comp to a glass of water. I mean, it's a very confusing, very hectic, weird situation. And it's a shame because, look, Atlantic City could never hold up to Vegas in my mind anyway. Um, but it's a shame to see a, a town that I thought was coming back just get slapped down so hard over ridiculous, moronic shutdowns that now, a year later, have been proven to be absolutely that, a total farce and, and a complete lie. Uh, the, the shutdowns, anybody at this point that believes in shutdowns and believes that, that shutdowns work, you're just not following the science. And, and it's purely, purely stupidity at this point. Sometimes, right, Tom, we have to experience it to just make a decision for the future. And I can tell you, Vegas was not like that. And as of this weekend, you, you know, you talk about uh, we're technically, quote unquote, 50 percent open. But, Tom, come on. We, we, you know, they, nobody was following those rules. And casinos get, got very lax. I sat on a, in an airport where there was no social distancing, right? So we already know that this is what it is. And um, we, we were in a last man standing contest that we got to the fourth day of the opening weekend before we got cut out. But the the, the books were packed here in Vegas. And, and that was just at the one I went to, plus a lot of the pictures I saw online, you know, Circa and uh, Westgate, of course, they were just 
filled to the brim. So if if we can say, um, other than proximity, right, Tom, to where you are, let, let's go ahead and uh, let's book the trip for next year, Tommy. You're coming to Vegas for March Madness, man. Well, I, I, I would have been there this year. And I will tell you this. Tim, you know you know me. Look, I, I'm, I'm into my 40s now. I had gone to Vegas 10 times, flown across country when it wasn't exactly the easiest to fly. It would take me four and a half, five hours to get there. Easy. Uh, and, you know, an hour and a half drive from the airport. And I can continue to keep going. It's a seven, eight hour day to get to Vegas. I went there 10 times before I ever stepped foot in Atlantic City. <laughs> okay. So my choice is to go to, to Vegas. Um, I would love to come out. I'm definitely going to come out. And I don't mean to bash AC. It's more of... um. You know, it's more like you see an ex-girlfriend and you're like, ooh, she's a disaster. I feel bad for her. You know, I wanted I, I want, wanted AC to come back. I wanted it to be okay. And and maybe they will, but they are in a bad way. And I'm telling you now that mobile gaming uh, is absolutely where it's at. The, the sports book was completely and utterly filled and everyone's on their phones, you know, just doing mobile gaming, mm-hmm. everything there. And when we had David Dances on uh, at the beginning of the year, he said in 2020, uh, mobile gaming almost 90% of their entire sportsbook revenue. You know, it's almost a matter of, of why would you do anything else at this point? <laughs> you know, it's easy, it's quick, it's directly in your hand. And the, the sportsbook experience is something I've always liked, Tim. You know, the sportsbook experience for me right. is something... Look at Circa. Look at what they're doing. I, I mean, I can't wait to get into that pool. I can't wait. I love the sports book experience. Yeah, I remember one of the first trips you came out to Vegas. I uh, I held you, I used my phone to basically record some commercials for you while you're standing in the Rio sports book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I'm a guy that, that goes, you know, I had some friends come and they go, all right, what are we going to do? I said, well, I'll be in the sports book at 11 a.m. and I'll leave at about 1 p.m. And that's what I do. I'll stay in the sports book 12, 14 hours watching games. I got no problem with it. It's just a shame that uh, it, it's kind of going by the wayside. I wonder how long, outside of Vegas, which is doing the right thing, I wonder how long sports books are even going to exist in. Yeah. Well, let's look at the, we started 16, we're down to 12. Let's take a look at these four games today and see who advanced on into next week's matchups. Start with the early one. Sister Jean, the the run has ended, Tom. They lose to Pac-12, Oregon State, 65-58. So Oregon State, as a 12 seed, continues to move on into the, into the lead eight as they knock out everybody's, I guess I could say sentimental famer right now, right, Tom Loyola, Chicago. But it was a, a pretty much a very decisive first half and a slow first half that got Oregon State over the hill here. 16 points. 16 points for Loyola Chicago. You know, and I say it all the time in in college basketball specifically. I love defense, man. Defense wins championships. I like defense. I love it. I love it. But oftentimes it does hurt you. And look at Virginia. Look, Virginia had one year where they kind of turned around and they were, uh, you know, an offensive force and they won the championship. Every other year, it's just too little too late. 16 first-half points for a team attempting for a national championship. It, it's utterly ridiculous. And you can like Loyola all you want. And I was certainly rooting for them. I actually, 
you know, had written a Rob Mishow, our good buddy, pulled a lot of people about this game. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen in this game. I, I don't like Oregon State. I don't like Loyola, but I do like the under, <laughs> right? And we, we actually had to sweat the under because 83 points were scored in the second half between these two teams. Loyola goes away. I don't want them to be the story. I want Oregon State to be the story. Here's the problem, though, Tim. I'm still not buying this Oregon State team. I, I know. What else do they have to do, Tom? How much more do they have to do? What else do they have to I know all the conversation. Tim, I'm still just not buying this team. I think they had a very easy road to get here. I didn't believe in Tennessee, although that was an impressive win. Didn't believe in them. Everybody loved Okie State. I didn't see that as a threat. And Oregon State shouldn't be in this spot. But I'm not looking at them as the threat that everybody is. It's Look, have your day today. Good job, Oregon State. Big time underdog with a plus seven. Winning against everyone's kind of prohibited favorite. Everybody loving Loyola. I like what they're doing. I get what they're doing, Tim. I'm just looking at this team and I'm going, I still just don't see it. I don't see a, you know, a, a championship team here. I don't see a championship run. And, and tip your hat. They did a good job as a 12 seed. But I think this is going to come to an end pretty quickly. You think, you think, and we'll get a bigger bigger picture of it tomorrow, but is this more of an, you know, they're, they're already, everybody's talking about how Tom, the Pac-12 is impressing in this tournament, and there'll be a game tomorrow with just Pac-12 teams in it. Um, me and you aren't so sure that this is, what would be a year, right? Are, are these teams really that good, Tom, or have we just uh, overlooked the Pac-12, or does the last few years say something about how this conference is down? I think a little bit of both. Probably a little bit of both. I, I look at the Pac-12 as a down conference. Um, I looked at them coming into this tournament as a down conference, and all of a sudden they're advancing. I don't know if that proves much in this kind of field, in this kind of spot. I'm not sure. You know, we often talk about bowl games in college football, right? And in bowl games in college football, one of the conversations that, that we consistently have is how can – Alabama and, and the SEC consider themselves the, the premier, premier conference if they lose bowl games. And oftentimes they lose bowl games. And they, you get the argument, well, they didn't care. They get, okay, but if we're not going to count on it there, then, then can we count on it in basketball where it's a field that is completely wide open? It's a field that you're playing completely out-of-hand teams, teams you've never seen, teams you don't know. It's a crapshoot most nights. Who's hot? Who's not? Just because, and, and let's let's make this very, very clear, okay? Tim, who's a one seed that was knocked out here? Illinois, right? Does anybody really believe that Oral Roberts is a better team than, than Illinois? No, of course not. We root for Oral Roberts. They're fun. They're great. Oh, here we go. Are they a better team? No. So, why do we do it by the conference? Well, it could be, there, there's a little bit there, right? There's a little bit. Well, they won more than one game. Sure. sure. And you know what? If we get a Final Four team from the Pac-12, we get a good run here, people are still going to continue to talk about it. I think the Pac-12 was what they were. I think the Big Ten was a little overrated. Okay, that's fine. I think the Big East was who they were. Got nailed with injuries. But you can't tell me that Villanova is not a good team just because they lost you know, their star player. No, I'm not going to go down that road. Big 12, is all of a sudden the Big 12 getting knocked because they're not really moving forward? Well, what if Baylor moves forward? Then do they support the Big 12? I, I think it's an argument, Tim, that has so many layers here. 
I still believe that the Pac-12 had a, ba- a down year, but they're clearly saving it. They're saving the season uh, with an impressive showing. But I don't want to hear, well, nobody looked at us and, and, you know, we didn't get any respect. Well, you didn't earn respect. If you're Oregon, <laughs> you know, you finish the, the season off the way that you do, barely over 500, barely there. You know, a 12 seed, you're a 12 seed for a reason. I'm not all of a sudden going to start heaping praise and tell me that you should have been a two or a three seed. You know, I'm looking at, let, let, let's just look at Oregon State really fast. Because I want to give them their day and I don't want to bash them, but I tend to be doing so, Tim. Oregon State, their, their key wins here. Okay, they beat Colorado by two going into the tournament. They beat Oregon. Uh, they have what key wins? Okay, I'm looking Oregon, Oregon, outside of conference, nobody. So they were a hard team to judge. Tennessee, Okie State, and Chicago isn't really changing my opinion of them. They're a good team. It's a nice little run, but come on, come on, come on. Well, let's just be realistic here. Did we lose Tim, guys? I believe we lost Tim. So I'll just keep going here until uh, until he goes back. So if, with that said, Oregon State now takes on Houston on Monday because they're doing this weird. It was first. It, instead of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they started to do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Now this is Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, okay, which is very weird to have college basketball games this deep into the season going to be on a Tuesday. I like it, but it's a little weird. So this is what we now have. So Oregon State and Houston. And Oregon State against for everything that they've done right against Houston is now an eight point underdog. I'm looking at this and I'm going, you know what? This is another clear path, but it isn't a clearer path to Houston. We'll get into what Houston did today in a moment, but the Houston Cougars are sitting here as an eight point underdog. So that should tell you exactly what the PAC 12 really is. The PAC 12 Mm -hmm. is what we thought they were. I think we lost Tim. So let's take a quick time out. We'll come on back right after this with more Heat Wave Sports. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. All right, let's try this again. Heat Wave Sports. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton. Tommy, do we have you now? I'm, I'm here. here. Yeah, yeah, I'm loud and clear. All right, here we go. So we left off with Oregon State moving into the Elite Eight. Their opponent will be the two-seed, Houston, a 62-46 win over the 11-seed Syracuse tonight. They went on a 9-0 run to seal this game and blow them out there at the end. At the end. And, and, Tom, what were your thoughts on this game here? I mean, you know, when you, you talk about Oregon State, for example, and, and how you don't necessarily believe in them, has Houston looked like a two seed in this tournament at all? You know they're impressive. I can't look. I went into this tournament going, "Yeah, I'm not buying into this Houston team." I didn't, I didn't buy into them during, during, during the season. I looked, looked at them during, during the season. season. I, I, I bet them against Wichita. I'm sorry, I bet Wichita against them early in the season. And I took UCF against them at one point. And, and they, they just keep going out here and winning and winning impressively. Cleveland State, impressive win. win. They beat Rutgers team, so I thought they'd give them a problem. And then, and then an impressive win here against Syracuse. And Syracuse laid down. It was more against uh, the Syracuse problem. But, 
You hold a team to 46 points. I don't care who you are. I don't care what level you are. You have to be impressed. I'm not a big Houston believer, but, man, it's hard not to believe your eyes right now. And I know I just said that about Oregon State, but I think the road was a little tougher for Houston, and I think the style in which they play just is a little bit better. I'm looking at this Houston team, and you're asking me, are they playing like a number two? I think they are. I, don't, I didn't think they would be. I didn't think they'd make it this far. But I think they're playing like a two, Tim. What, what's the, what was the deal with the Syracuse? The, just the, uh, the magic ran out tonight, right? They had a nice run through the, into the tournament and then through the tournament. They just ran out of gas tonight. I think what happened was basically, and give Charles Barkley a, a lot of credit. He said this in the pregame show. In the pregame show, Charles said, look, the rebounding is going to be ridiculous. And Houston rebounds well. Um, and basically, Syracuse doesn't rebound at all. And you look at, go back and you look at the box score and you say, okay, Jimmy Bayheim, if he doesn't go crazy, which he didn't tonight, he only had 12 points, what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to get it from somewhere else. Let's talk about the rebounding advantage, right? Let's just take a look. And not only the rebounds, I mean, we, we know that his offensive rebounds are just devastatingly much better. So rebounds on a whole, 40 to 31, they out-rebound them by nine offensive rebounds. Syracuse only got five offensive rebounds night long. So if Jimmy Bayheim, you know, or Bob, <laughs> I'm calling him Jimmy Bayheim, uh, Bayheim Jr., right? Uh, but if, if he's, not, he's not hitting those shots, well, he only had 12 points tonight, right? One of nine from three-point land. One of nine. So if you're one of nine from three-point land and you can't get an offensive rebound, your day is done. I mean, that's what it came down to. They, they rode the back of Buddy Behind. They rode him as far as he could take him. And as far as he could take him was tonight. He had a cold night, and the team could not recuperate and recover from his cold shooting night. Not necessarily because, well, it's just his fault. But they couldn't recuperate from his cold shooting night because they don't get offensive rebounds after he misses. So he misses, and all of a sudden, there's nothing. There's no, there's no strategy, there's no game plan, and everything is in the tank. When you have a one-man team, and that's kind of what Syracuse has, you can't go cold, not in this spot, not against this kind of team. And, again, Houston isn't this world-beater team, but <laughs> and they play good defense. You know? So I don't want to just say, look, Buddy Bayheim was throwing up uh, threes and just missing, because there was defense being played beyond the three, right? I mean, there was defense being played in this game. You hold again, team under 50. This was the least point Syracuse has scored. I looked at the number. It was, it was from a ridiculous time frame. I mean, this is the least points ever. The next closest was actually like four points better. It was like 51. This, is, this was an atrocious game from the Syracuse standpoint. But it wasn't an overall game where they got blown out at the end of the game. All of a sudden, these threes that they were launching and not hitting all game, now, all of a sudden, they were forcing them to try to hit, and they were still failing, failing, and failing. And the rebounds just get, it, you know, it takes steam off of you as well. You know, it does. It kind of takes the, the glisten off when you really break it down. Because here you go. You're throwing up threes. You're trying to get back in this thing. You're fighting. You're clawing. Here we go. We're trying to get back in. Boom. What happens? Take a three. You miss it. They get the rebound, kick it back out. You're getting one shot. They're getting two, three at some point. It's just 
is, as a team, it, it takes the air out of the ball. It takes the spirit out of yourself. You just get into a position where it, it's the out position. And how do you come back from that? How do you get to a point where, okay, we're kind of close. We're within 10, 8, 9, 10. We're right there. How do you get to that point where you can come back? How do you get back there? Rebounding. Being aggressive. But if you can't win that rebounding battle, you're going to have a very short stint. And that is exactly what happened here. They had a short stint, and they were out of this game. If you watch this game, they didn't seem out of it. Oh, yeah, we just kept waiting. Bayham's going to go hot. Bayham's just going to hit three or four in a row. Bayham's going to get – and it just never happened. It never wound up taking place. I think we are – okay. Tim, are you on? Tim is not on. So, okay. But, you know, but to look, that's, that's good. Let, let's talk about this Houston team now, okay? You look at what Houston went up against in Syracuse, and you can look at the Houston tour into the finals and say, did, he ha- did, did, did this Houston team have the easiest path in recent memory? I, I think they did. Does that take away anything from it? No, look, you only play who's up against you, okay? And here's the thing. They're going to get another free pass here. I mean, look, it's an eight-point spread against Oregon State in a lot of people's minds. Win win or lose, they're going to say, you know what, look, it's a free pass. It doesn't matter. They're going to get the schedule here. I thought Syracuse is a dangerous team tonight. I thought that Syracuse team was tough. So you look at the matchup, and sometimes the numbers don't matter, and this is what we're talking about. I don't care if you're 12 seed, 11 seed. I don't care what kind of seed you are when you're in that position. At that point, it's who's a dangerous team. Do you really believe that Oral Roberts should have been a 15 seed at this point? Absolutely not. We all know that. They're not a 15 seed. And the reality is is that Syracuse was not playing like they backed into the tournament, which they actually did. So who are you playing when you're going up against Houston has a breeze of a path to get to this point. Cleveland State is a joke. Rutgers was a dangerous team, though. Syracuse could have been a dangerous team. But I will tell you this. I have no idea. I can't remember at all anyone getting to the Final Four without playing a single-digit team. And that's what Houston is lining up to do. Okay, They have not played a single-digit team yet. Oregon State will be the team that they play on Monday. They're not playing a single-digit seed. That's, that's a 12 seed. So they played two 10s, an 11, a 12. This is the path that Houston's going through. So it's a difficult question here, Tim. When you ask me, are they playing like a two seed? Because I think they are playing like a two seed because we're sitting here and saying they've been impressive. They've been very impressive in their run. They've done what they had to do as a two seed even though the competition isn't there. You know, I don't know if you turn around to the competition and, and, and you knock the Houston team because of who wound up getting there. You can use it against them. You can say, you know what, they don't deserve it. They don't belong in it. It's not supposed to be. I understand all that. You can use that. You can say that. But at the end of the day, they've looked like a two-seed because their wins have been pretty impressive. I know the Rutgers game was a little sketchy, but I, I thought Rutgers was a tough team. So Syracuse was and now you have Houston moving on. I do think eventually they're going to get spanked and, and badly by somebody better than them. But I thought Illinois was going to be the team to do it. 
And Illinois is out of this field. So to me, look, they're an eight-point favorite, and they should be an eight-point favorite. And we're handicapping the game on Monday. I can't imagine a scenario where I'm going to be taking the eight with Oregon State. If Oregon State does it, and then they continue this miracle run, you have to tip your cap to them. You have to say, sure. But I could argue that Oregon State's run to get here is no more impressive than what Houston has done. So we just have two teams that probably shouldn't be here. People didn't believe we're going to be here. But they're here, and they had to turn some heads on the way to get here. All right, Damon, let's take a quick timeout. We'll come on back right after this with more Heat Wave Sports. Now back to Heat Wave Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. All right. So we know that Oregon State and Houston will match with Monday. Who will join them in that side of the region? Let's take a look as the number one seed in the South, Baylor, overcame some terrible shooting problems in the first half. Tom, they, they were the top-rated three-point shooting team in the country coming into the game. They couldn't hit the ocean in the first half. We're down to Villanova and Jay Wright by seven. And then what do they do? They turn the ties. They pound the ball inside in the second half, and they win this one going away 62-51. Wow. I think Gillespie is a major, major influence in this game. Too. I think that if you look at Gillespie and what he would have added to this game, I think Villanova probably would have pulled it out. But they only had the magic for so long. They could only hold on to this magic for so long. You look at what Baylor did. They turned it on the second half. They made adjustments. And that's, that's what Villanova was. Villanova was a team that, when you look at it, was just down, right? I mean, they, they're down men trying to play a style, trying to play a style that you can look at and just say, you know, look, they put up 51 points. We, we could hang in here for a while. We could hang in here for a while. And then Baylor really just got bigger and really just turned it on. If you look at uh, the, the Villanova defense, it was fine. They were just missing that guy. And, and again, I want to give credit to Baylor. I want to turn around and say, you know what, Baylor had a good game. I don't think that they did. Now, Baylor made good adjustments. But I don't think you could get down to a Villanova team, even Jay Wright coach team, in this spot. I don't think you could put up 62 points against this kind of team. 39 in the second half looks impressive. Very impressive. And I like what they did. And I like that, that they went out and they made adjustments, Tim. But I'm looking at this more of a, man, Villanova would have absolutely won this game had they had their number one guy in there. What does that say about Baylor moving forward? When you look at Baylor, though, Tom, 18-0 to start the year, right? You're Big 12 champions. They, they finished the regular season 25-2, and but they, they struggled down the stretch, didn't win the Big 12 conference tournament. And um, we, looked, we looked at the four number ones. They weren't the top number one seed, but now they, they've, they've found a way to, to get you on through. So putting them in the, now in the Elite Eight, they've become a very dangerous team here with a chance to win this tournament? You know, I don't know. I don't know if I see that. Uh, look, you said it. They lost some games at the end. And we're talking about paths to get here. And everybody wants to talk paths to get here and paths to get here. 
well, the Houston pass is very easy. Yes, it is very easy. You're right. Oregon State didn't have a tough pass to get here. Okay, that's fine. Well, let's look at Baylor. They took on Hartford. I mean, come on. You know, I'm an American East fan, and, and that's a ridiculous game. Then Wisconsin, that most people had going out in the first round, at the end of the day, Wisconsin's a name, Tim, but it's a nine seed. And then you took out a number five Villanova. But we know Villanova's without their best player. This Villanova team has just been stringing together. So you want to talk about path to get here, guys? Does, does Baylor want to turn around and talk about path to get here? Because your path to get here has not been impressive either. And I'm hearing people talking about Baylor might be able to beat Gonzaga, right? And Baylor might be able to, to be the team to knock them off. They had a good early part of the year. But I'm not impressed with them like everybody else is here. I'm, I'm just not. I'm looking at this Baylor team and I'm saying, you know what? You want to talk about path and you want to rip on Houston? Houston's path is not much much easier than what Baylor's is. I mean, it's easier, but it wasn't remarkably easier. I think Syracuse, the way that Syracuse has been playing today and going into this tournament, was on par with Villanova. So I'm not that impressed with Baylor, Tim. I think, I think you said it. If, if Villanova has their top player, this is a completely different situation. And Jay Wright you know, finds himself with an opportunity to go to another Final Four, but... They just they didn't have the horses to compete inside Tom in the second half. Jay Wright needed his best player. I mean, Gillespie needed to be out there. You know, and that's that's the Villanova team. Villanova with Gillespie wins this game. I'll say it all day. So what are we really rating Baylor? Baylor is twenty five and two and I find find flaws in their game. And Baylor's twenty five and two and I hear people really getting all of a sudden excited about this. 25-2, and two, and here we go. You know, Baylor could, could go all the way, and you, I'm going, guys, what are you even watching? Not watching the same thing I am. Baylor, could they or make, make some kind of little run here? Sure. You go up against the big boy, and the big boy plays tomorrow in Gonzaga. You're going to get squashed. You, cannot, you can't allow Villanova without their best player to dominate you in the first half and then, and then play pretty close to a point where you only put up 62 points the entire game. So Baylor, their reward for winning, they get Arkansas, and you touched on this game at the top of the show, Tommy, with Oral Roberts. Just a, a fun game to watch. Oral Roberts looking to continue the Cinderella run, up seven at the break, and Arkansas chipped away at this game, Tom, at the end, but it took a nice little jump shot with about three seconds to go to, to seal this one. 72-70, the Razorbacks, 26 years since they've been to the Elite Eight, they get a, a just an exciting win today, and you mentioned it's just a, a great, great story here on both. I, I mean, you really look at both teams getting to this point, but all Roberts was the story of the tournament with about three seconds to go. Osmos is just a phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal player. He was creating things today, creating shots. You look at this guy, and I've been talking about him uh, for, for weeks here. I, I grabbed Oral Roberts during the year because I watched him. You're not the nation's number one scorer by accident, right? This isn't, didn't just happen by accident. And Oral Roberts is a team that is prone to absolutely uh, go cold, but when they get hot, man, shooting from three-point range, the number one team in field goal percentage around the country all year long. I know they play in a bad division, but it still matters. It's a bad conference. It's a weak conference. I get it. It still matters. It still matters when you're going out there. 
Nobody looked better than Osmos in this tournament. Nobody. He looked absolutely in full control, 25-2-4 and four tonight, right? Full control. And then he had help. O'Banner, and you look at oh, around the, the team, he had help. This was a dangerous, dangerous 15 team. I was rooting for him. And at the end of the game, Tim, Osmos wanted the ball. They said, whatever they did, do not let him have the ball. He got separation. He got his shot. I thought they were moving on. Now, while I turn around and I'll tell you, know, you, oh, well, look, I don't like a pass here, and I find flaws in Baylor, you can look at the Arkansas pass here and what they did. And I know they took out a 14, a 15, and a 6, right? I think the Arkansas pass was tough. I, I'm, I know that they blew out Colgate. I still think that was an underrated Colgate team. Texas Tech, yeah, they barely got by them. That was a tough Texas Tech team. Oral Roberts, yeah, you know what? They're a 15 seed. They're not playing like a 15 seed. This Arkansas team, Tim, is impressive. And they were down, and we know at this point in the tournament, they were down, they were down in the tournament, they were down in the tournament to a team with a red-hot shooter, they were down in the tournament to a team that could hit from the field, hit three-point shots, they were down in the tournament where everyone was rooting against them, and they were able to make the big plays, get the big buckets, and I love the adjustments that they made in the second half, 44 points in the second half. The coaching, you can see bleed through. Arkansas is a dangerous offensive team. You can see it a little bit on the defense here and there. I think Arkansas is a legit shot to really make some noise here. Arkansas is a team that I think, of all the teams that we talked about tonight, they are the most impressive. And I know it's against Oral Roberts, who I've been absolutely gushing over. But Arkansas got it done when it needed it. I like the adjustments. I like what they did. So with that being said, what do you think when you see the line, Baylor minus seven against Arkansas Monday night? I'm all over Arkansas there. I mean, how, how, do you, how can you not be all over Arkansas? This is a team that, like I said, look, they could score with Baylor. We know that. We know they could go out there and they could win tough games. And that's something that is underrated normally. They beat Texas Tech by two. They beat Oral Roberts by two. They're that, that tough team. You go back to their last loss, Tim, sure, they, beat, they lost to LSU. Very athletic team, very high-scoring team. They lost by seven, okay? You go back before that, they lost by four to Okie State. Early in the year, you have to go all the way back to really last year to go find bad losses by them. So once the calendar turned, basically this Arkansas team is not getting beat. They're not getting beat often, and when they do get beat, it's a very, very close game. So I'm looking at this, and I'm going, guys, I don't believe in Baylor. I do believe in Arkansas. I'm not telling you I'm all over Arkansas, and I love them, but I'll definitely throw a little on the money line on this game because it's, it's going to be a lot closer than people believe. I might take the seven, and I might do a little bit of money line. This is a game I have to look at, but instant reaction right now tonight, man, I think they completely, completely messed this line. This is a pick em game. Maybe give Baylor because of name recognition, two, three points. Yeah, not bad for Eric Musselman, who had to cut his teeth college-wise at Reno, huh, Tommy? Yeah, Musselman, I mentioned the, the coaching. It's fantastic. I, I listened to uh, a couple of interviews this week about people about Eric Musselman, and they are saying when you walk into the gym and you go through a walkthrough and a practice with this man, he's working on things. That, that probably will never come up in a game, but when they come up, his team is ready. 
he's a student of the game. He is a coach's coach. And you see it right away. I mean, you absolutely see it. He finally gets into a town where he can recruit at will. Arkansas, people forget Arkansas is a basketball school. Let's just be honest here. They are, they're, it may be in football kind of conference, but they're in a, a basketball school. And I like what he's done. I like the coaching. I, I'll take Musselman over Bell. I'll take the coaching. I'll take the offense. I think uh, you, you, you say, you know what, the offenses are pretty, pretty even. The defenses, Baylor has a better defense. So it's going to be a close game. I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. I'll tell you, my instant reaction today is give me Arkansas plus seven. I'll sprinkle a little bit on the money line. I'm not impressed with Baylor. And now if Baylor does get by Arkansas, no matter how they do it, it could be by one, it could be by 20. Tim, I, I have to be then impressed with Baylor. I mean, that's just the way that this works. But I think there's going to be more people out there that when Arkansas does beat Baylor, all of a sudden people are going to turn their heads and say, how did we miss this Arkansas team? Why? Well, because you didn't believe that Colgate was a good team. You didn't believe Texas Tech was as good as they were. And you didn't believe in Oral Roberts, who should not have been a 15. They have gone through a decent schedule to get where they are, and knocking off Baylor seems appropriate to me. And I missed uh, your, your analysis on the, the first game Monday night. Houston, eight-point favorite over Oregon State. Yeah, look, I, I don't believe in Oregon State. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll rehash what, what I said here, Tim. I don't believe in Oregon State. I know that you could tell me that Houston had a tough, uh, an easy pass, and they have. They have not faced a single-digit team yet. They have an easy pass. Um, Oregon State just seems like the team that they're happy to be here. They've gotten this far. And potentially I'm wrong. Look, if you're an Oregon State fan and you're angry at my analysis right here, you should be happy because I've gone against them every single time in this tournament, and they just keep beating me, right? I'm not betting on them, but I'm, I, I, I didn't have them get out of the first round, and that's a 12-5 season matchup. So you're looking at Oregon State. I am not impressed with them. I haven't been impressed with them. I will not continue to be impressed with them. And they're going to just go, go have to go out there and kind of prove me wrong. Houston, I think they're the legit two here. They had an easy pass. They were facing anybody else. They're facing Arkansas. I got them losing. They're facing Baylor. I got them losing. But they happen to be facing a team that I just don't believe in, and I think that Houston moves on. Tim Uncle's be Tom Barton, He Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio.